This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review. Daphne, how are you? I'm doing great. I actually really loved the history that, that we, we learned, honestly. So thank you for that. And it's always fun. I guess I'll tell you some more about surfactant today. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, um, I don't really have any announcement. We'll talk about some other stuff later on, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay. Well, so we're today we're really going to get to like the nitty gritty of surfactant. Like the the this is pretty high yield, I think, for the boards. Um, lots of questions based on <laughs> details about surfactant that are actually not that clinically relevant. <laughs> so take note. Um, as we discussed, the job of surfactant is to reduce surface tension at the air liquid interface of the alveoli, preventing collapse of the alveolus during end exhalation. It also participates in the innate host defense against inhaled pathogens. And so actually that's in the board um, review prep is which surfactant proteins um, help defend against um, uh, pathogens. So that's something to look at. But in my in, in our review, there are less questions on that. So just something to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, surfactant is made in the alveolar epithelial cells or the pneumocytes. And there are two types of pneumocytes. So there's a type 1 pneumocyte, and these are thin, flat alveolar cells. Okay? So they look like the number 1, which is also long and flat. Right. And so this makes sense. The long, flat type 1 pneumocytes make up the majority of the surface of the alveoli because they're so kind of, uh, they have a big surface area and they're very flat. And they're responsible for the gas exchange between alveoli and capillaries. So that makes sense because if you are designing uh, a respiratory epithelium, you'd probably make the most surface area available for gas exchange. It's interesting to note that there are actually fewer type 1 pneumocytes than type 2 pneumocytes, even though they make up the majority of the surface area. But that's because, again, they're big and they're flat, so they take up more surface area even though there are fewer of them in numbers. Uh, there are more type 2 pneumocytes. Now, type 2 pneumocytes are chunky cuboidal alveolar cells that are responsible for the secretion of pulmonary surfactant uh, that reduce surface tension in the alveoli. And I feel like you can remember that the wide uh, surfactant cells are type 2 because the number 2 is kind of chunkier than the number 1. And the interesting thing is actually that even though they're numbered that way, type 2 pneumocytes uh, develop first, and they actually differentiate into type 1 pneumocytes. And for my mnemonic for that, I like to remember that type 2, the bigger number, can then be split into type 1 cells. Of course, it's not actually splitting or cleavage of the pneumocyte. They they actually differentiate from type 2 into type 1 cells. Okay, okay, so... 
So, I like to do these little recaps because recap. these are the things that get me tripped up. So you said mm -hmm. type 1 pneumocytes are less numerous, but because they're so broad and wide, they cover more surface area. That's right. Surfactant are made from type 2 pneumocytes. Mm -hmm. And you said that type 2 pneumocytes are sort of created, quote unquote, first, I guess. Mm -hmm. But they have the option to either remain a type 2 mm -hmm. pneumocyte or decide that they're going to be done with the whole surfactant production business and just go into type one kind of life. That's right. <laughs> and they can become a type one pneumocyte. But type one, once you're a type one, you're a type one. That's it. You're End stuck. of the road. You're stuck. <laughs> okay. Very good. Okay. I got it. You know, stuck doing the work of breathing, you know, it's kind of pretty big that's job. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're talking yeah. about surfactant. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. You, you got it. You got it. So um, I think really when we study surfactant, it's, it's important to discuss the stages of lung development in parallel because I think it really helps us understand why the premature infant has um, increased respiratory um, morbidity. And that's because they have decreasing surfactant production by decreasing gestational age, right? So the younger you are, the less likely you have a kind of mature, fully activated surfactant production. So as a reminder, and our topic today is not lung development, but the canalicular stage of lung development is between 16 to 26 weeks. And this is when the earliest, most primitive areas of gas exchange in the peripheral lung is formed along with the differentiation of this respiratory epithelium. And it's actually about the week 20 when lamellar bodies, which store surfactant, uh, begin to appear in the cytoplasm of these type 2 pneumocytes lining the distal epithelium. So they can't even, they don't even have like the factories, right, until week 20. And surfactant production begins really at approximately 24 weeks gestation. So, you know. We have babies that are less than 24 weeks, but they're, they're really not even beginning to, to create their own innate surfactant until about 24 weeks. And it's not until 32 weeks uh, gestational age when you have enough surfactant to prevent atelectasis. So when you think about that, you need some threshold of surfactant inside the alveoli um, to keep them from collapsing. So that takes us to the, you know, 26th week in the canalicular stage. The saccular stage is next. Um, and this is where the alveoli, um, the alveolar sacs really begin to develop. So they start between 25 to 27 weeks um, gestational age. Um, and the saccular stage continues until about 36 weeks. So this is when you're getting a threshold of surfactant so that you can prevent atelectasis. Um, in this stage, it's that surface for gas exchange in the lung that really begins to increase in size. Uh, but the alveoli are still really immature. It's also in this stage that the type 2 pneumocytes um, can differentiate into type 1 pneumocytes. So if you really think about that, so they're type 2 pneumocytes in the canalicular stage. They're just starting to make surfactant. But it's really not until the saccular stage where you're even developing the epithelium to do gas exchange. And that doesn't start until 25 to 27 weeks. So we really ask a lot of these immature lungs. 
So during the saccular stage, it's also the time when the capillaries, which were created during the canalicular stage, finally invade the thin walls of sacculi to even allow for this blood-air barrier exchange, which again requires the type 1 pneumocytes. Mm-hmm. Finally, alveolarization occurs from 36 weeks and it ends at almost 36 months postnatal in humans, so that's three years, and demonstrates a progressive decrease in the size of the alveolar airspaces together with a concomitant increase in the total number of the alveoli, which improves gas exchange significantly. Of course, um, this uh, in parallel um, is the production, the ongoing production uh, and maturation of surfactant. Importantly, Surfactant is synthesized, assembled, transported, and secreted into the alveolus where it is then degraded and then recycled. So Mm. we really rely on this recycling mechanism to keep uh, a continuous pool of surfactant. So not only is the production of surfactant limited by prematurity, the actual metabolism and the recycling of surfactant is slower in newborns as compared to adults, and it is slowest in the preterm neonates. And of course, uh, it becomes less efficient uh, with the the more immature you are, the earlier you're born. And of course, defective um, pulmonary surfactive production or metabolism results in respiratory distress syndrome with all of its associated morbidity and mortality. Questions so far? No, this is very clear. (laughs) Okay. Um. When we're talking about surfactant, this is something that is also highly tested. You mentioned it yesterday. Um, We had to talk about the makeup of surfactant. So pulmonary surfactant is a complex mixture of phospholipids and surfactant proteins. uh, And there are four surfactant proteins, A, B, C, and D, all that reduce surface tension at the air-liquid interface. Um, It's made up of about 70 to 80% of phospholipid, uh, mainly dipalmatoyl phosphatidylcholine, so DPPC. That is the main component of surfactant. Mm -hmm. Um, Phospholipid, uh, DPPC, which is dipalmatoyl phosphatidylcholine. I did it. Okay. Uh, it's about 10% uh, surfactant proteins and 10% neutrolipids, mostly cholesterol. So that is frequently tested. Um, finally, and you mentioned this a little bit, we know that the lack of surfactant obviously um, plays a role um, in RDS. But of note, there are other clinical situations that inhibit the production or the metabolism of surfactant Um, or inactivate the readily available surfactant in a more mature lung. So you mentioned these briefly. These include meconium aspiration, pulmonary hemorrhage, and pneumonia or ARDS and sepsis. So in regards to meconium aspiration, um, there's phospholipase A2, which is present in meconium. And the reason uh, meconium uh, impacts our surfactant pools is that that uh, phospholipase A2, um, it actually inhibits the activity of surfactant in a dose-dependent manner. It literally competitively displaces surfactant from the alveolar film. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So the meconium basically gets under the surfactant so that the surfactant can't stick 
to the alveolar surface and, um, you know, create this surface tension. It's like a pinch remover almost. Yeah, kind of. Uh-huh. Um, so that was, I thought that was interesting. In addition, um, this phospholipase A2 also induces hydrolysis of DPPC, which we just talked about is the predominant um, component of surfactant. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it, it reduces the, the efficacy of, you know, a baby who would have had normal surfactant production significantly. Now, in pulmonary hemorrhage, neutrophils are released following endothelial damage, and they, uh, from like irritation from blood, um, or the uh, vessels, the capillaries where the hemorrhage is coming from, there is endothelial damage. So, neutrophils are released, and they in turn express a bunch of proteases. They uh, release oxygen free radicals and cytokines. And these um, free oxygen molecules directly damage type 2 cells that produce uh, the the surfactant, thus inhibiting production of surfactant. Um, One of the other proteases that is released is elastase, um, which also damages and degrades surfactant protein A, um, inhibiting surfactant protein A-mediated lipid aggregation and um, lipid absorption. So that's how pulmonary hemorrhage damages our surfactant. Mm -hmm. And then um, ARDS um, or kind of a respiratory distress um, related to pneumonia or sepsis um, is identified, again, by this acute pulmonary inflammation, which gives direct damage to the alveolar type 1 cells and in turn leads to an influx of this protein-rich edema into the alveoli. It decreases the fluid clearance um, from the alveolar space. And just like um, was seen in pulmonary hemorrhage, there's a bunch of neutrophils just um, uh, creating um, a lot of chaos in the lungs. The neutrophils are attracted into the airways by the host bacterial and chemotactic factors um, and then the neutrophils express their enzymes and cytokines, which cause further damage in the alveolar epithelial cells. Um, Type 2 epithelial cell injury, again, the cells that produce surfactant, um, obviously leads to a decrease in surfactant production with resultant alveolar collapse. Mm -hmm. So uh, tomorrow, yes, Thursday, Mm -hmm. you'll tell us. Wednesday. uh, Wednesday, tomorrow. (laughs) You'll tell us then how surfactant, how we should be administering surfactant in these disease processes. That sounds good. Okay. All right, then I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.